Good morning, Groves people. How are you this morning? How has your week been? Um, I've heard and touched base with a few of you, but I would love to um, catch up, throw, throw a few words um, into uh, the feed, if you would, just checking in with one another and seeing how you're doing. So good to be with you this morning. Um, I'm excited about this new series, this new topic we're talking about, and um, uh, uh, talking about the kingdom of God, the systems, the, uh, the uh, government, the politics, the world in which we um, exist in, have been born into, and um, really giving us a picture of, a, of a, a new way to live. And so I'm excited about that, those conversations coming up in the next few weeks. Um, uh, this morning we're going to worship together with Eric and Jamie. They recorded some uh, worship songs for us that we can join in with. And um, again, I was thinking this morning, we, we finished um, our conversations around Jesus and protest. And um, it is uh, worship music and um, singing together. Singing in general for me has, um, I think, really solidified in this sort of um, it is a protest. It is uh, when I am singing about who God is, I am countering the narratives that are around me. When I am reminded about, hey, Paul. Morning. Um, when I um, turn my attention um, away from what is happening right in front of me that I can see with my eyes and begin to sing and um, uh, live by faith. It's mm. a countercultural way of existence, and it's um, so our singing together, and it's weird, right? Where it's more like people are singing together on a screen at us, or like for us, for us, you really. Know, and so there's a Christians always Christians always say this is weird, but you go to any concert where somebody mm. is making a statement that connects with an audience, and it people do the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. They sing together. They they call out, right? Even folks who aren't people of faith, there's something in us that cries out at times. And so I push back a little bit on that idea because I've heard that a lot. No, Christ I'm just saying that. Christians are self-conscious about this. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, it's weird that we get together and sing. It's really not. It's, oh, yeah. No, I wasn't you know, saying that. I was referring to our particular medium. And, oh, this and like is this particular thing where it's <laughs> online and I'm like, are you like when I'm singing or leading yeah. sometimes I'm like, are, are you singing with me? Yeah, Sing yeah, that again, you know, yeah. or whatever. And there's not that sort of interaction or that play sure. that we get with one sure. another. No, we singing together is not yeah, weird. Yeah. We do it yeah. all the time. Um, um, and I actually had such a powerful experience singing spirituals on in these protest marches. Um, and ex, um, experiencing um, the spirit of God in that in that way as we're marching through the streets and, yeah, and singing yeah. these freedom songs. So yeah. um, collective singing is really powerful, and I I I miss that. And I think right. when we do return to being together, um, for me anyway, there's again there's a new lens and a new sort of uh, fire in me about mm. what we are actually doing yeah. in. Um, in this, it is it is a way of activism. It is a way yeah. of protesting a way in which the world has told me what is true and how to operate and how to be. Yeah. And I'm saying, no, there's another reality. Yeah. There's another way in which I'm invited to live. I'm actually a, um, uh, I participate, I'm, I'm a brother and a sister and a mother mm. and, you know, I'm not, I'm not a brother. We are <laughs> brothers and sisters. We are fathers and mothers. Yeah. We are, we are part of the body. We are, yeah. anyway, there are all these ways in which we are citizens of another 
kingdom really yeah no it um, feels like there's a so well it feels like there's something going on in our society and we have an opportunity as the church are we going to hear this moment speak to this moment mm-hmm. be involved in this moment or are we going to just kind of remove ourselves right right, right, and, right. and that's and, and so i think for me going into this time of of, of worship through yeah. music um, it is also a powerful moment of yeah. saying, no, I am, I'm actually actively participating in another way and this is how I'm doing it. So that's just a little, that's just an ongoing encouragement, yeah. uh, for me when it comes to, to music. So, um, um, thank you Cedarbergs for putting that video together for us to worship to and with this morning. And, um, we will do that now. Here we go. Ah! Praise the Lord, my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Do not put your trust in princes and human beings who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. But blessed are those whose help is in the God of Jacob, whose God is in, whose hope is in the Lord their God. He is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations. Praise the Lord. Um, Let's just pray together this morning. Um, We do worship you, God. We do praise your name, and we acknowledge who you are and these, uh, who you are, what you do, um, those you care for, those you see, those you hear. And we ask you today, God, to continue to frustrate the plans of the wicked And we ask for you to hear the cries of those who are oppressed. We ask you to hear this morning um, the cries from our own hearts, from our own despair, from our own loneliness, from the loneliness, the despair, the hunger, the needs of those around the world. And we ask you today, God, to, um, to be amplified, to be magnified, to be exalted for your kingdom, for your work, and for your name to be known. And uh, we ask for an expansion, um, to see an expansion of your kingdom in our world today. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we pray and we ask for today. Um, so we acknowledge who you are. We praise you and we worship you and we love you, God. All this in your name, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, hey. Thank you, Eric and Jamie. Mm-hmm. That was a beautiful time. Mm-hmm.
Ready to get into this? Yeah, yep, you're starting it off. You're in the notes. I know, I'm in a moment. Okay. Give me a second. <laughs> um, yeah, I was, well, considering some of the stuff we were, we were talking about this week, um, I was thinking about when we met. Mm-hmm. Right? You were a young college student. <laughs> so I, were you. I, <laughs> no, I wasn't. <laughs> <You're>... <laughs> no, you were a young college student. I was in politics. <laughs> right? What he means is that he was running for vice president of, of, of the freshman, freshman class. Student yeah. Body. <laughs> yeah. 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 It is how we met. He was running. That's how I saw him. The first time I ever saw him, he was giving uh-huh. a speech um, for his election, for to be elected. You yeah. were giving your, you know. Yeah. Your. And I figure that must be why you <laughs> like me so much, because of your love of politics. Yeah, I do really love politics. So maybe that was it, because then we were standing in the lunch line together, yeah, yeah, and I yeah. said, oh, hey, I saw your speech. Uh-huh. And then you're like, cool. <laughs> <laughs> And that's how that love of that love started. But yeah, the seeds of yeah. twenty three years. Yeah, well, longer that we've known each other. Yeah, yeah but, but I'm yeah. saying like marriage. I'm saying like marriage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I I have I think the point of the story was that I've always been very interested in politics. I I wanted to go into politics when I was growing up. Yeah, I and I did you like about debate. That early and, on. Yeah, yeah, I was I wanted to go into law and mm-hmm. then be in politics and. And I've told you before about the time when my dream was crushed about being president of the United States because I was born in South Korea. So when I realized I couldn't be president, right, that was a, it was a blow. You know, I was like, <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do. So it was all or nothing for you. Yeah. You're like, I, I will need to either be, able be, to be president, president or I or guess I'll, I'll write songs and paint things and, yeah, yeah. and have feelings. Yeah. <laughs> so I went the other direction. But yeah, I've always been, I've always been interested in politics. And I was actually thinking about this this morning, how yeah. much I owe that my parents. And really growing uh-huh. up in the 80s, when it was kind of a, a, a definitely, at least in my in my view, mm-hmm. a a peak of um, evangel white evangelicalism engaging well, was, with politics. And, yeah, and it was organized. I mean, the moral majority was a group yeah. of Christians that got together yeah. and decided they were going to create wedge issues in order right. to cut off portions of the uh, electorate or the. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, voting, voting population mm-hmm. yeah. in order to um, creating a coalition of sorts around right. conservative political issues right. or what became conservative political yeah. issues. Yeah, so it's not just something so, that happened to ethos of the moment. It right, was, no, it was planned. There yeah, was yeah. strategy. There were people yeah. who were in power uh, strategically creating a coalition of voters, right. like voter voting yeah. block. And so um, I grew up participating in that. We would go. Um, uh, you know, do uh, particularly around um, anti-abortion mm-hmm. and um, and then pro-Israel. That, mm-hmm. Those were the things my parents were involved in, yeah, like yeah. their particular view viewpoints. But and we always had political signs in our front yard. My, we lived on a, a kind of a main uh, thoroughfare through mm-hmm. our area, and so we would always have. Um, state representatives, whatever, they would add, they would knock on our door and ask. And I remember having huge political signs in my front yard. So yeah. for me growing up, being a Christian, mm-hmm. being a citizen, like th- those things were integrated. Yeah. They were embedded together, which is which, different than what maybe some people are saying in this particular climate, but I've always been yeah. um, invited to. I like any activity you see me doing now, you can just blame my parents because <laughs> they were the ones who instilled in me the idea that some way my faith was informing the way that I was politically engaging. Hmm. That it mattered that as Christians we were engaged and involved in the political process. Yeah. Um, 
our, our views differ at this point. Like, you uh-huh. know, they're, but yeah. that activity and that impulse was, was yeah. from them. I mean, that in one way or another is actually one of the marks that like church historians say is a mark of evangelicalism. Like uh, not, not as we see it culturally today, but as kind of like a, uh, a church historian perspective, the emphasis on um, scripture, the centrality of Jesus um, and the conversion experience. And then like the fourth pillar is activism mm-hmm. that, that um, Christian evangelical Christians believe they should be active in the world, yeah. which is quite ironic. Like what I've seen or even encountered over the course of my life, a lot of the tradition I come from would be that it's impolite to speak of politics Mm. and Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. so then to preach anything about politics was considered impolite with a few exceptions right 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 right. and so what we see going on today i see a lot of christians especially white christians arguing that um really what's going to bring about change is uh someone having a conversion experience, their heart being changed. Right, right. And so we shouldn't be involved right. in, in this political moment, in protesting, and like that, that that's a waste of time because that's not going to change people's hearts, a.k.a. Um, bring them to a, a prayer moment of salvation, a, mm-hmm. a uh, sinner's prayer kind mm-hmm. of thing, right? Mm-hmm. So that's really what they're arguing for is that until that happens, real change won't happen. Right. There's some truth right. there. A heart change has to happen mm-hmm. for, but if, if that's the way we operated in the world, human rights would be just right. wouldn't be. It's interesting right? too, like what, how centered that is on the individual. Yeah. Just like it's a very, um, yeah, which is... Yeah. And, and their evidence for it is they'll, they'll point to Jesus, right? <laughs> they'll point to Jesus, mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, I, I saw somebody quote a prominent Christian leader, mm-hmm. and he said this, Everyone wanted Jesus to be a powerful political figure. He had all the qualities to lead. Instead, he spent his life speaking of another kingdom. It frustrated his followers that he wouldn't let his life be drawn into a political system that was flawed, ineffective, and corrupt. Hmm. There's some stuff I, I get where this particular leader is coming from, but overall I disagree because well, one, there's a philosophical problem, a dualistic sort of thing where it is um, as if the kingdom that Jesus was talking about didn't have anything to do with right. the here and now. Not to mention the problematic statement of Jesus bringing about a kingdom that was like, like that is a powerful word. That is an end. Well, like that's yeah, a, we're going to get word, into that, right? I yeah. mean, just the just the fact that that's what he was calling it. Calling it, yeah, yeah, seems problematic for those who may be ruling one, possibly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah. but yeah. What I, so what I think mm-hmm. this leader is talking about, and others are talking about, is um, an, uh, like an example would be from John six fifteen. You can go and look at the context there, um, but Jesus preaching people are getting excited about what it is that he's saying Mm -hmm. right and then it says then jesus because he knew they were going to come and seize him by force to make him king withdrew again to the mountainside alone so jesus is like nope so what jesus was against and we see this over and over again was violent insurrection to bring about his kingdom Mm -hmm. That was the hallmark of what he was doing that was different from other messiahs mm-hmm. uh, of that era, mm-hmm. right? Because there were other uh, self-proclaimed or group-proclaimed messiahs mm-hmm. 
uh, of that era. And what would happen is they would rally, and then Rome sure. would send a legion to know. come in and just yeah. smash them. Yeah, mm -hmm. literally just massacre tens of mm -hmm. thousands mm -hmm. of uh, Hebrew people that they saw as rising up. Mm -hmm. So that was the main role of the um, the client king, mm -hmm. the Jewish king in there. Right, was to keep order. Yes. He makes sure there aren't any insurrections. Right. There aren't. And so obviously Jesus having crowds, the kinds of people that were gathered around him because yeah. there were zealots and yeah. people who were like, so, I mean, even his disciples are like, so now, right. it's like, now when right. we do this, like, you yeah. know, so I can understand why yeah. somebody would be like, Jesus wasn't political. Mm hmm. Right. I, I can get how they're like, he didn't enter in. And so, yeah, he didn't do it in the same way. Right. But right. he's still. Right. Well, that's going to be our argument. We're right. going to argue that Jesus right. uh, absolutely was political um, based on, you know, a definition. Right. What would you say it is to be political? Yeah. I mean, right? very simply being political is relating to government or public affairs of a city state our yeah. country. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, when Jesus comes bringing another kind of, the government will be upon his shoulders. This is mm -hmm. what was prophesied about this Messiah. Yeah, yeah. And if Jesus is like, this is me, right. uh, we're talking about government. We're talking about a kingdom. We're talking about a yeah. different way of, uh, we're talking about rulers. Mm -hmm. We're talking about structures. Mm -hmm. We're talking about who we are and how we are together in right. that space. So, but somehow we've is. separated those two. Yes. So right? there's a great book that I just want to point out, um, Jesus and Empire. If there, this is where I'm getting um, the content that I'm going to talk about here in just a minute. So, um, and this is just the, I, what we're talking about today is really just the intro of this of this book. But this is a great resource. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Jesus and Empire: The Kingdom of God and the New World Disorder. Richard Horsley is the um, author of that. But um, in our particular context, we have we've gone through this process of depoliticizing Jesus. Yeah. And um, what um, Richard Horsley um, says, he says there are four major ways in which we have done that in Western society. Okay, So the first thing is that the Western assumption that religion is separate from politics and economics. Right? We have this separation of church and right, state. We've right. set up these things, and, and we can talk about actually civil religion that we've kind of created out of it. Mm -hmm. But um, we have religion. So think about a college campus. Think about how it is that we learn. We have religious studies over here, politics over, you know, well, political studies of, over here, um, economics over here. Yeah. yeah what were you going to well, say? Well, I was just going to say in many of our uh, major universities don't even have religion departments anymore. Right. We have whole right. universities that are for religious studies. Yeah, yeah. Right. So then we can categorize Jesus as a simply religious figure and we don't have to think about the, we can ignore the political or economic aspects and implications of what Jesus taught yeah. and what he did yeah. and, and what we believe the kingdom that he ushered into yes. existence. Yeah. So um, if he's just a religious figure, then we can keep him compartmentalized in that little space. So the second thing connected to this is what we already talked about, which is Western individualism. So we think about Jesus as an individual figure independent of the social relations that he was embedded. Yeah. And we think about Jesus dealing mainly with individuals, not addressing social groups or political institutions when mm -hmm. in fact he did do that. Right. Um, and also just in our language of how we read scripture and what is understood. So even in the language, um, we will read individualism. Sure. You, because we don't have um, plural, you know, other than y'all, right. which we don't see in the King yeah. James Version or whatever. And yeah. I knew, but like there isn't, we don't see that. And so when we read scripture, we read it as individuals. Sure. Yeah. We think, well, my heart needs to change. Jesus yeah. is speaking to me and not speaking to 
the collective, speaking to a country, right. a, a country being held accountable to what has happened or yeah. um, political institutions and systems and religious systems and mm-hmm. economic, they're all intertwined. We know this, this is the existence we live in, yeah. but we lie to ourselves about sort of this, this hyper individualism. Yeah. We well, and in. we see that Jesus is teaching, even in the example I give, whatever Jesus is teaching causes people to have hope that their real life yes. could change right. if they made him king. Right. Right. Like, like something about the so way he said. And he what gave he was a saying. political speech. Yeah. That w- and, and so it motivated them in just that one example. And you can find countless examples of the fact that it is uh, causing people to believe that he is talking about a real change. Right. Not that, that I think right. I would add to what these four, mm-hmm. um, what I already alluded to is that Western dualism, the idea that there's spirit and material Mm. spirit good material bad yeah um so everything jesus was doing was spiritual Mm. and 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 that it doesn't really sometimes it doesn't even matter about the material Mm. right and so that's another way that we consistently kind of put him over in this box of like well what jesus is talking about is for the eschaton for the end for the uh, another time and there's truth in that right that's some of how it is expressed but the language is not universally that and this people jesus and the folks writing the gospels did not have a western dualistic mm-hmm. uh spirit good mm-hmm. matter bad kind right. of perspective right. we're reading that onto the text right. right right and i think then there was also a push among particular um do you need some fuel? Yeah, then there this was is one of the benefits of doing this from home. <laughs> when, well, we can do this live too. Oh, I think anymore. we could do that. Um, <laughs> we demand a French press at our stools. Okay. Um, but I think one of the responses too, I think in some Christian circles, because of this um, separation, um, was in like in academia, um, the dominant academic culture reduces the gospel to religious bits and pieces, mm-hmm. right? And then if we take scientific um, lenses and put that on, we take we get rid of anything that is miraculous, mythical, or fantastic, and so then we just have kind of these sayings mm-hmm. and parables that we analyze. Um, and again, I think there's this way in which we parse out who Jesus is and we yeah. don't have this full picture, exactly what you're saying, that there were people that really believed if Jesus were in power, their mm-hmm. lives, yeah. their economic, their political status, like food in their stomachs, right? The Healing justice. for their bodies. Justice yeah. would come. Full justice would yeah. come. So um, anyway, in our Western, we've, we've kind of, we've divided Jesus up Mm -hmm. into these categories and removed, I think the fullness and the context, right? So in addition to that, the fourth thing that um, Horsley points out is that we've eliminated anything uncomfortably judgmental from, Mm. from what we've, what we've seen. Mm -hmm. And so he says this, we've created a depoliticized individual teacher, uttering, uttering isolated phrases that pertain only to an individual countercultural lifestyle and no particular political economic context and with no political uh, implications. So it is difficult to understand then why the Roman governor Pontius Pilate would have bothered to crucify such a figure. So I just, I love the way he's basically saying we've, we've, 
We have depoliticized, but we've also like neutered. Yeah, well, we've taken you're away the who Jesus is. Um, and and then the big question is, yeah, why why crucify him then? Well, his, if he was just going around saying right. love phrases and wanting us to right. all get along and wasn't right. disruptive to the way that things were, why kill him? Right. Well, and so his whole life, yeah, is political. Yeah. Right. He enters the world. Uh, disrupting just yeah. his very presence, yes. the very presence of this baby boy, mm-hmm. the announcement mm-hmm. of his birth, so mm-hmm. threatened the powers that be, threatened the king that was in charge of that. So King Herod, um, like we were saying earlier, his main charge from Rome is to prevent insurrections, prevent rising of other powers that would mm-hmm. cause uh, that would cause uprisings, mm-hmm. right? And so and he was so fired up about this that he killed all these little boys in a town right. to try to kill Jesus when turning Jesus into um, a political refugee that had to escape from yeah. to Egypt, yeah, right? Yeah. Like we were talking about yeah. this this week, yeah. just having this moment of uh, of of realization. Like it, it's we've often it, about the refugee crisis um, made a parallel between Jesus and the refugee crisis on the border, mm-hmm. and then to talk about it this way, it becomes specific. Jesus specifically was a political refugee. His very presence caused um, disruption in the powers that be that his family, warned by the Mm -hmm. Spirit of God, warned by an angel, had to flee to Egypt in order to keep him safe. Yeah. Right? So from the beginning, just his being in existence was a political threat. Right. Right. His, Jesus in his body, he embodied... um, a political yeah. threat right. to what was. Yeah. Um, and, and, and Jesus, um, continues in, sorry, disruption. Um, uh, uh, and Jesus, and, and as Jesus, and I was thinking about this just being a two-year-old, like you just think about the threat of a, of a two-year-old, right? Yeah. Um, but embodying and, and, uh, I, I mean, I couldn't help but think, and we'll get into this a little bit later too, but I couldn't help but think about, um, refugees at our borders. Yeah. I couldn't help but think how the presence of, of, mm. of walk, like uh, black bodies in certain places, right, threatens mm-hmm. the political, economic, right? It threatens yeah. what is, um, yeah. or it seems threatening, right? Yeah. Or, or it comes in as threatening, where, where the threat is embodied. Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. just what is said. Right. It's not that Jesus just said well, or taught something. Was. It was who he yeah. was yeah. that was disrupting and a threat to the powers that be. Yeah. And and that is that is just powerful. Well, it's a I mean it's a parallel. Right? If you think of Rome as part of like Rome would be the parallel I think to the US empire in Absolutely. this age, right? Absolutely. Rome is also then the seat of western civilization and whiteness. Mm-hmm. And here's this brown baby boy mm-hmm. threatening mm-hmm. the power of whiteness. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. That and that is what we see going on in the world today. Yeah. Is 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 the the uh 
the growth of freedom and liberation among brown people threatens the empire of whiteness. Mm-hmm. Yes. And to me, that is the parallel mm-hmm. that we see in these stories, mm-hmm. is that the good news uh, resides there. And mm-hmm. for years, mm-hmm. I have heard uh, what I would consider really sound theological thinkers kind of professing that um, where the kingdom of God is growing and expanding is with brown and black bodies in the world, in those parts of the world. That's where the kingdom of God is growing. And I would say that maybe, can we hope that that's what we're seeing? Well, you know, and this week I was reading, um, just as we've been studying and preparing to have conversation around the kingdom of God, and, and the text where Jesus says, I will give the kingdom where it will bear fruit. Right. He's speaking to the religious power, yeah. the religious, the people who are in power. I will take the king, the kingdom will go to people who will bear fruit. Yeah. Um, and, and who is going ahead of the religious, yeah. the people who, anyway, there's a lot, there's a lot there, but the good, the, the kingdom, the king, the, the news of the kingdom is it's good news for the poor. Yeah. It's release for prisoners. It's sight for blind freedom for the oppressed. And, and that's just, that's all part of that Luke four passage that we've yeah. been focusing on. He preaches and, this sermon coming out of the desert, right? right? He comes out of the desert, full of the spirit coming from the desert, goes to the synagogue, opens up the scroll, scroll reads the Isaiah 61 passage yeah. and says, Hey, this is being fulfilled right now yeah. in your presence. Um, and he doesn't qualify it. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't go, the this is good news for the poor in spirit good news for the release of prisoners in spirit you know yeah. sight yeah. for the spiritually blind right. uh free and because he goes on to mm-hmm. do this mm-hmm. to literally see the blind set free yeah you know to see the freedom uh, the oppressed set free right mm-hmm. this is this is what he does yeah this yeah. is the the new kingdom that he is bringing yeah. Um, so I'm going to, I want to just read this, uh, continuing on in Luke four, um, we have Jesus, he, he's tested, uh, in the wilderness. He's in the wilderness mm-hmm. for 40 days. He's full of the spirit comes out, reads the scroll. He starts his the ministry of Jesus begins where yeah. people are being healed. Demons are being cast out. People are being set free. The, the things that he says, this is being fulfilled. Yeah. They, they start happening in his presence. Yeah. So um, uh, Luke 4, verse 42 says, The next morning Jesus departed and he went to a deserted place. So he's, he's tired. Yeah. He's, um, yet the crowds were still seeking him. Right? So this, is, this speaks to the threat. Right, that the um, Herod, or and he's gone now, but any ruler in yeah. that right would have been seeing crowds are still seeking him. They came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. But Jesus said to them, I have to, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns too, for this is what I was sent to do. So here's, here's his purpose. Jesus is here, what? To proclaim the good news of the kingdom. Yeah. So he continued to preach in the synagogues of Judea. So I want to I wanna unpack a little bit, what do we mean? And we're going to do this over the next few weeks few weeks but what is the good news of the kingdom because i think yeah. we're like good news and i've heard that word my whole life but what is that what is the good news and what about this kingdom of god yeah, yeah. well i mean good news is one translation of a word mm-hmm. the other word that we use to translate is gospel okay right that's become uh wouldn't you wouldn't you agree that that's become entirely a religious phrase yeah, good news. Yeah, yeah, yeah or gospel. Yeah, or gospel for sure. Right. So yeah. it's almost in our language and our telling of it. When we hear about the gospel, the good news, it it doesn't have to be a political phrase, hmm. right? Because it's just a religious statement. Right. 
Right. Okay? Right. The issue is the Greek word euangelion, this is where we get our word evangelize or evangelicalism or evangel, right? That We get that word from euangelion. That's the word here. For good news. For That's good, good news. news. For mm-hmm. gospel. Right? And here's what the Theological Dictionary of the New Testament says. Euangelion, or good news, is particularly important to the emperor cult. So the emperor cult was the worship of the Roman emperor, Mm. right? Um, The emperor is a divine ruler who controls nature, dispenses healing, serves as a protective god, and brings good fortune, his birth being accompanied by cosmic signs. Mm. So Mm. the good news, Mm -hmm. right? There were many gospels, many good Mm. news. These would go out throughout the kingdom. Mm. Proclamations of Mm. the Euangelion, Mm -hmm. the good news of the kingdom. Of the earth kingdom, of the Roman kingdom. That was the language that was used. Mm. Hey, everybody come around and hear the the good good news news of the kingdom or Mm. the good news of the empire, Mm. right? The good news of the birth of the emperor. The good news of his ascension to the throne. Mm -hmm. The good news of safety and salvation provided by the emperor. Mm. The good news of the kingdom. Mm. Right? So when the gospel writers proclaim Jesus' miraculous birth, Mm. right? Or his message of salvation to the poor and the powerless. Or his announcement of another kingdom. It directly confronts the existing political systems, mm. the empire itself, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. extremely bold. Mm. It's a very deliberate yeah. and intentional. They're like, here's the good news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You yeah. say you have the, no, here's the good news. Of another kingdom with yes. another king, Yes. by the way. So, yeah. so that's a little confrontational. That's what, yeah. that's what the, the yeah. uh, further down in that article from the uh, dictionary, Theological Dictionary of the New Testament. It says, Caesar and Christ confront one another. They have much in common for both claim to be gospel, uh, but they belong to different worlds. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So it's just, it's been very, it actually fires me up, but it's really fascinating to dig deeper into what I thought, right? Yeah. Or like yeah, I had yeah. an inclination or an intuition about this, but um, it is political, like Jesus confronted political systems. Right. That is his very I think it would presence. be wrong to say he was a politician. Sure. Right? Sure. But he, his speech hmm. was political. But right? he so, would, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm always trying to hear the, the opposition to this argument and trying to understand it. And, and because I think it's reductive to, to bring him down to the level of being just another politician, just another uh, political figure. Uh, he's so much more than that, mm-hmm. right? You have to carry it. <laughs> and uh, this reminds me of those um, newscasters that are doing their newscast from home and their child comes up. <laughs> uh, but... Um, it totally distracted me. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I don't think it's right to reduce him to being simply a, uh, a political figure. I, I, but, but undeniably, it has political implications, right? The proclamation and embodiment of the gospel confronts empire. It, it, and I think in any age, that's what's going on, is the confrontation of empire with the kingdom of God. Um, Dan White Jr. says this, much of the work of discipleship 
is inviting people out of their sentimental, abstract, cliche-laden ways of relating to God into concrete, local, full-bodied ways of following Jesus. Yeah, when I read that um, this week, it just was striking me in this conversation, right? Because it's incarnational. God showed up in a body, in a place. Mm-hmm. So it confront like it. He could have chosen. Like you think about all the options yeah. of when and where to show up. Yeah. Um, but he shows up. Jesus shows up in an oppressed group. He shows mm-hmm. up in um, in an occupied, right. you know, a group of people. He doesn't show up in the Roman as a Roman. Yeah, I mean. Um, Logic, if you were going to manipulate power for a greater good, is you would go to Rome. Right. Right? Right. And Show up in that home. Show up in that family. Yeah. Um, get influence. and Right? All, right? all those things. But yeah. he shows up in a body, in a particular place. And so... Um, of course, in that way, just in that alone, he God is confronting systems and government and kingdoms. It is political in that it affects the government. It affects the ways in which we exist. Yeah. And and I again, I pointed. I was saying this before, but I think I, I'm realizing and, and acknowledging this that black and brown bodies confront our system. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right now, black male bodies are confronting our policing system. Yeah. Brown bodies at the border are confronting our mm. immigration system. Yeah. Like this is still happening today. Yeah. Um, and uh, we can't. Anyway, it's just it's so powerful. I feel so emotional about it. I have a lot of feelings yeah. right now. I feel a little <laughs> amped up. Also, yeah. but um, yeah. So we can't. Um, so uh, we can't separate a religious dimension from the political economic life that we exist in. Also, we can't allow the bigger ideas of what Jesus did to be reduced to right. only political. Absolutely. Right? This, is, this is what I see in, mm-hmm. in what dualism does, mm-hmm. is that on the one side, we make it entirely spiritual. Mm-hmm. And then we can have a tendency to swing to the other side mm-hmm. and make it entirely political. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We need both. Right. We need real heart change and spiritual salvation from our sin. Mm-hmm. And we need that salvation to bleed into the mm-hmm. real world and the political systems to actually save us on a, a physical level mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. That's a holistic view of the theology of salvation mm-hmm. throughout the whole Bible mm-hmm. is that it is a combination of soul being stirred and changed and and ultimately mm-hmm. offered eternal life mm-hmm. and then salvation being offered and deliverance mm-hmm. in the here and now. Yeah. I think there's a realization for me that the ideas of justice, right? Mm-hmm. Where do those come from? Yeah. Like how, if we pull them from our own systems, I think we're going to fall short. Yeah. And if we only draw the energy from our own systems in our own lives in order to combat the injustice, we're yeah. going to come up short as well. And so there's something, at least for me, that the that Jesus being all of that mm-hmm. being my like saving my soul and my spirit and the the spirit of God in my life in yeah. our lives in the life of the church that change that is what gives me hope right actually yeah um, and it is the images of this other kind of kingdom that inspires me to imagine something different mm-hmm. than what I have I don't yeah. even I anyway anyway so well and thank God those who've gone before us mm-hmm. did believe that 
Mm-hmm. Right? There's always been a couple of tracks mm-hmm. in Christianity. There's always been a track that says, let's just kind of sequester ourselves over here in one way or another, sometimes to an extreme amount, mm-hmm. sometimes to uh, just just like what we see, if it doesn't serve me and the people I'm around, then I just, I don't get involved. There, mm-hmm. There's all of that mm-hmm. in the history of Christianity. Mm-hmm. and had, But there were also Christians who were abolitionists, mm-hmm. right? That drove the abolitionist movement. And there are so I am a huge advocate that believers need to be involved in these social issues. That is the tradition. Mm-hmm. It's wrong to teach that Christians didn't participate. Mm-hmm. It is almost always driven out of this inspiration of the uh, uh, the proclamation of the gospel, mm-hmm. the proclamation the of a different is, kind of yeah, kingdom. Yeah, right. Yeah, and what is and and um and maybe we just jump to this right now as we there. There's so many things that we want to say, and I'm glad we have weeks. Yeah. yeah. To un- unwrap a lot of this, but um, in thinking about what is this good news? So, if the kingdom we're talking about is good news to the poor, what does that look like? Yeah. And I was thinking about that today, and just throwing out some very broad um, examples. But for example, like what is what is good news for the poor in our particular context, mm-hmm. right? What how would we talk about, and what would we be advocating for when it comes to debt mm-hmm. and comes to loans? What do we not? What have I? I should just say like why? Why? What have we simply accepted because we're capitalists? Because mm-hmm. we were born into a yeah, capitalist. Yeah system what do I just go well that's just how it is um because what we see and we know I mean if you uh, many documentaries many books many conversations around um how how uh people in positions in power have taken advantage of other people's vulnerability I mean the credit system itself is taking advantage of people who may like have a need or Mm -hmm. you know the whole system is set up to you know to desire something you don't have whether you need it or you don't and if you can't get it for yourself just put it on credit and then this credit is like maybe 23% interest like it's taking advantage it's playing on our insecurities Mm -hmm. on our not enoughness or maybe on very like significant real needs that we have to be taken advantage of by people who are holding on to the resources that is wrong that is unjust that is not the way in which God intended for his people to exist and to live in but we have been born into the system and we go well you're just making bad choices (laughs) or right we say these things um just take a look at if you are interested in looking at this any further just look for example at payday lending mm-hmm. and the 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 way in which it preys upon people who don't have enough money right. to pay rent to buy food to yeah it becomes indentured servitude it is yeah. and the intent like it's literally part of the business plan mm-hmm. that you not just take one loan Right, because mm-hmm. they know people won't be able to pay it back. Right. But actually, it's that the average is that if someone goes in for a payday loan, mm-hmm. it's not one but ten. Mm. The average is that they get like pulled yeah, into yeah, yeah. ten loans because they can't pay, so they have to take out another loan, and they can't pay that, so they take out another loan. Yeah, and so there are all those loans yeah. and all those fees and all that interest, um, basically indebting people until they die, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is not not even close to the kind of system, a very hardcore system, like yeah. a very real system that God gave His people. Right. You know in the Old Testament. Like, we're not even talking right. about the New Kingdom. Yeah, like, yeah. we're just talking about how Israel was to live out there, right. you know? Right, um, But payday lending, that's just one example of like, okay, how do, good news to the poor, what would be good news? Yeah. That their debt is erased? Yeah. That, right? I mean... I, it's like we can't even... It's like we can't even imagine it because mm-hmm. we are so... Our, we are so entrenched and embedded into the system. Yeah. 
Um, we, see, we saw Jesus, uh, here's another example. We saw Jesus healing people. And so connected to the good news for the poor, you know, anyway, and, and it's connected economically in our system, like healthcare, like just think about our healthcare system. Mm-hmm. Who gets to have healthcare, right? right. Um, uh, it was, it, it was interesting to me just even in the system, right? When we were responsible adults that had jobs that had healthcare mm-hmm. it actually cost us more money out of pocket sure. to have Maddie right. than when we were irresponsible and didn't have healthcare, but then <laughs> we had, had Renick, yeah, yeah. right? I mean, it just, it doesn't really make any sense. And that's just one small, silly example. Personal example yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, how many people end up in bankruptcy because of healthcare costs? Right. Um, I have an answer to that question. As of February 2019, 66.5% of all bankruptcies were tied to medical issues. Yeah. Like, I think Jesus has something to say about, has, has had something to say about the ways in which we are, like, the system has, the government, yeah. the system, the policies, the structures um, are, are bankrupting people. Right. If he cares about the physically poor. Yeah. If he cares about the poor. If it's just the spiritual poor. Yeah. Yeah. Then we all just need to say our sinner's prayer and then we're done. (sighs) Right? But I don't think that's what he's doing. He's confronting a system then. And by what I see in the movement of the spirit of God in people today, I would say Jesus is confronting a system now. Yeah. It makes me mad. Like I'm like table turning that. Right? Um, go, like another example. So um, I was just thinking about the phrase "release for prisoners," right? And and I have I have often thought about it in terms of spiritual. Again, yeah, I think yeah, there yeah. are so many ways in which I've spiritualized mm-hmm. and removed the physical aspects of what Jesus is saying here. And I know um, some of you who are listening are involved in this particular work, and I I'm just at the beginning stages of learning. Yeah. But um, you can start googling these things: mass incarceration, um, the inequalities that are in our justice system. Um, I, I read this week that um, given the statistics that we have right now, one out of every Every three black boys, one out of every six Latinos can anticipate spending time in prison. And that's compared to one out of every 17 white boys. Mm. So there's an inequality given the, the ratios here are not yeah. equal. Right. Um, since the 1970s, incarceration has grown by 700%. Um, we need to ask questions about who benefits. Mm-hmm. We need to ask questions about the implications of who is being sent to prison, who's spending right. time in jail, yeah. and the systems and the ways in which um, uh, we've created a funnel. Yeah. Um, and 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 let, I will say this: um, one response from the church has been to send chaplains and and preachers and people who care into the prisons mm-hmm. uh, to to preach and and love the people in the prisons. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But another aspect of this, of the gospel reaching into the prisons, is asking this question. Why are they there? Right. Do they need to be there? Right? Challenging the system. It reminds me of the phrase. I can't remember who was that originally said it. I think it was a a justice-working Catholic Christian in South America. Uh, I can't remember. I think it was a female. And and she said... uh, they cheer when I say I, I'm going to feed the poor, mm-hmm. right? They love that. Mm-hmm. But when you ask why they're poor, they call me a communist, yeah, yeah. right? And, and that, is, that is the way the systems of power work. As long as you're willing to be a Band-Aid or do something, it's fine to say racism is wrong. It's fine to say um, we should care for the, those in prison. 
But it is not okay to say, well, why is there racism? Right. Why are there so many in prison? How? Why are right. the poor poor? Right. right. Who is benefiting? Yeah. Who is, and, and yeah. really in our capitalist system, mm-hmm. who is getting rich yeah, yeah. from this and stuff? They These push are questions back, too. And they have, right? raised, yeah. And I mean, that's when they killed yeah. uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah. Was when he was organizing the March on Washington for the poor, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. When it expanded to the mm-hmm. economic systems, mm-hmm. that's when the powers that be said that's enough. Mm-hmm. It's painful. Yeah. It's so painful. Um, and wrong and, and evil. Yeah. I would call that evil. Because so. the mass incarceration is an economic issue. Uh-huh. Yeah, it right? is. It is an economic issue. And the impact and... And, and, and I'm, I, I think we will take time in a future talk to um, dive more deeply into this particular issue. Yeah, yeah. But um, it is economic and it is, it is, it's perpetuated by a structure and by policies and it, it's connect, yeah, policing the justice system. Mm-hmm. All of that is tied in together. Um, if, if you are interested in researching that a little, little bit more, a couple books I would throw your way, The New Jim Crow by Michelle Alexander and Rethinking Incarceration by Dominic Gilliard. Those are two books that I would highly recommend and just in, in learning, mm-hmm. uh, about those particular issues. Um, but the, I, all of this to say that this stuff is embedded in our systems now. And, and I, I, I guess what we are saying, and I, I'm sure many of you already agree, so I, I, maybe we're just speaking to the choir, but I hope that, what I hope actually from these conversations is that we become even more, like, we are on the sturdiest foundation as we speak to these issues. Mm-hmm. We're not just talking about a good moral choice. We're not talking about like just out of our, even just our intuition and our guts and our experience, but that this is the gospel, the good news yeah. is, a, is it compels us to speak to, to act in, you know, uh, in, for, um, to act in a way that is kingdom yeah. in alignment with what yeah. Jesus was bringing about and that our lives are, are, are pushing in that direction that we are active. We are engaged. We are involved. We yeah, are involved. Yeah, yeah. We are speaking to that. And, um, uh, uh, cause we are, we are invited. We are, we are not a part of this. We're not to be just lazily going through this mm. system in mm. this way and i want us to not just be awakened but to yeah. be ignited and mm-hmm. like we must act in a way that is in alignment with the jesus who yeah. came and was this this full person this yeah. full expression yeah. um um and to know that we have been um, the presence of God, the spirit of God um, is in us that yeah. allows us mm. to be alive and awakened and, and um, empowered yeah. to, uh, to hear from God on these issues and to act and to move right. and to right. keep in it in the long haul. Yeah. Um, when, when it's not so cool, <laughs> when yeah, it's yeah. not the cool thing to right. be Black We're Lives Matter, right? right? Now, yeah. Like when it's not like that, the long hall the perseverance that it takes for policy mm-hmm. and then not even just the policy i mean that's june juneteenth is about it's not just even about the law and the policy yeah. but in the enacting the like this mm-hmm. being actually practiced um and in our in our spaces like that is the long hard work yeah and um and it's it is the it ought to be um at the forefront of the body of christ of the church yeah. in this work in yeah. this movement 
And it is a movement. It's not about reinforcing institution. Right. It's not that is what Jesus was did not come to reinforce the institution. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, he brought so, corrective to the institution. He still participated. Yeah. Right. He was a participant in the life of Israel, in the worship of Israel, in the the going to the temple. You know the in going to the synagogue uh, mm-hmm. and, and preaching, right? That's where mm-hmm. he announces his ministry that mm-hmm. you pointed to earlier. Yeah. So he, he goes was to the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but he called it to what it was intended to be, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And revealed um, mm-hmm. the brokenness in it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's all that to say that this this stuff is embedded in our system still today because mm-hmm. it is, we are human. Yeah. We are, this is the world and... Um, uh, I hope, I hope, I think we've made our case, at least convincingly for me, <laughs> that, G, that, it, that he, Jesus was political. It is political. Um, Jesus li- came to, to set us free. He's, mm-hmm. He liberates, yeah. and he is now, even now, liberating. And my prayer for us is that he continues to liberate us. It is yeah. for freedom that he set us free, mm. and, and that we would be, um, yeah, we would be... Uh, vehicles of that liberating work we would be participators in that liberating work Mm -hmm. um and uh that we would be that we would be praying and we'd be asking god how do we participate in this liberating work that you that you are doing in us and through us in the world um and and to do that and and we're going to pick up on this next week and to do this in the way of jesus so we're going to spend some time next week talking about specifically around violence um, and nonviolence. So the way in which Jesus was confronting and right. what, um, how he is inviting us to confront um, uh, the injustice yeah. um, in our world and to participate in the kingdom work that is already, that is already happening. Yep. So, whew. Good stuff. Hmm. It's a lot. Yeah, but it lets Jesus be Jesus in his context and invites Jesus to be Jesus in our context, yeah, yeah. you know, and, yeah. um, and, and to be his whole self, mm-hmm. right, you know, right. and that's, <laughs> if his life from start to finish is in the indication, that's a dangerous thing. Yeah. And you know? it just points out for me, it points out all the ways in which I, um, float along in my existence mm-hmm. as a, as a follower. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, what it means to get closer. What does it look like to get closer to yeah. the very radical countercultural way mm-hmm. um, of Jesus? And whew, mm. I don't know what we're. Yeah. Hmm. Do you want to pray for us yeah. as we yeah. close out? Mm. Lord Jesus, I love you. God, um, living a life that continues to just like look at you and be challenged, um, you, you seem to always be willing to carve something off, some level of comfortability and replace it with uh, empathy and concern uh, for others to... Um, open our eyes to who is, who is vulnerable in this world, God. And um, Lord, it's clear that you 
resisted uh, the powers that be in order that truth uh, could be proclaimed to those who are blind, to those who are poor, to those uh, who are oppressed and captive. God, and, and we long to uh, be your followers, to be discipled, to um, be changed. And um, it's so much easier, God, to, uh, coming from the culture that we've come from, to sit in uh, the comfort of a um, salvation that will come uh, after this life and to just let things be. It's, it's way easier if we uh, are the preferred people of the kingdom that we live in. God, but that's not what you did. And I don't believe it's what you're calling us to do. I believe you're calling us to stand with the vulnerable, to, to stand, stand with those groups, God, that you uh, were uh, an advocate for. So God, continue to change us. Continue to save us, God. Continue to uh, call us to repentance uh, for our personal sins and for the sins of the, the systems that we are a part of. And, and call us to the dismantling of those systems, God. Lord, we, we pray that prayer uh, with our mouths that your kingdom would come, your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then we ask that you would, uh, in our bodies, let that be manifest. Lord, let us not be able to uh, pray that prayer uh, without it manifesting in our bodies and in our, our politics and in our uh, social systems, God. Lord, we want to see you uh, at work and be a part of your work. We love you and we just pray blessing on everybody uh, that's here today that's uh, gathering in this virtual sense and uh, gets a chance to listen to this. Lord, um, man, let your face shine on them, God. Protect them. Keep them safe. Fill them with your energy, your joy, the joy of the proclamation of your kingdom, the joy of the good news of your kingdom that confronts this world's kingdoms. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Leroy, for that uh, verse reminder. And I'll just close with that this morning. Jesus uh, giving instruction to his disciples. He's telling them how hard it's going to be. Mm. And he's telling them the joy that will be theirs. Um, at the same time, there's mm. a tension in that, uh, which Jesus told us. Yeah. Uh, but he says this at the end of John chapter 16, verse 33. He says, I have told you these, thing, these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, yeah. but take heart. I've overcome the world. Hmm. So we go with that this morning. Yeah. Um, peace be with all of you. Connect with one another. Connect with us. We love you. And um, yeah, we'll see you again.